Well, look, I mean, I was sort of keen to hear a bit more about, you know, what sort of happened with the back. Because I think, I, I know some people have probably seen that, you know, you had surgery and uh, and we did have a bit of a chat yesterday, but I just think it'd be kind of fun just to open up some conversation and sort of see where it leads us. Because you have had a pretty, pretty hectic last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last year was a lot more hectic than I sort of thought. And we were on the road for probably three months. So um, yeah, it got quite busy there and, um, yeah, obviously took a toll on my body, which, um, I've actually been pretty fortunate. I haven't really had any major injuries up until this point. So, um, yeah, look, it took a toll on my body, but, um, yeah, hopefully it's for the best. Mm. So what was it like getting, I mean, is it sort of scary going in for surgery for your back? Uh, it was a little bit, yeah, it sort of really happened really quickly in the end of it we sort of um went and saw a surgeon and then we were sort of booked in within a few days so it happened pretty quick but um yeah look going you know under sort of didn't really know what was happening like um it was a little bit nerve-wracking but um I, I had full confidence in the surgeon and um yeah look I knew mm. it was the best thing so yeah how'd they sort of figure it out um like, did you get scared? Getting, is it to get the surgery or yeah, do you get scans at like the sort of start or, or like end of the season? Yeah, so we have scans like post-season and before the season uh, just as a general sort of checkup. Um, but I was actually getting a little bit of back pain and then it sort of started as referral leg pain. So we knew something was up. So um, that was an extra scan we went and got. And then, yeah, they found out that there was the disc bulge there. Mm. So how much were you bowling kind of through back pain or was it just something that sort of, you know, happened towards the end and they picked up on scans more so? Yes, I I sort of just had general back soreness um, towards the back end of the season. So we limited how much I was bowling and my loads and everything like that. So I wasn't putting too much unnecessary stress on it. But um, ultimately, in the end, I ended up just being pretty much pulled from all activity and I missed our last game I think it was for New South Wales so uh yeah I kind of ended up missing quite a fair bit and um yeah they restricted what I was actually doing in the end Mm. yeah that's not too bad I mean I remember I think it was Nathan Keeley I know he was with New South Wales for a little bit but I had a chat with him maybe two years ago or something like that but you know one of the funny things that we kind of said was if you're a young talented um fast bowler your risk of, you know, having uh, a lower back injury is so much higher just because, well, you're young. And if you're talented, you play so much more cricket and then you end up having exposure to so many more, I guess, higher intensity training environments. It's just it's just quite funny. Like it's a, it's a tough thing to sort of do, be a fast bowler, given that if you're better at a younger age, yeah, it's a really interesting thing to, to try to manage. Yeah, well, it's certainly something I never thought I would ever have to go through. Um, back surgery at 19 is not sort of something mm. that I had in my mind at all, um, especially considering I haven't even, you know, done any minor injuries at, up until this point. So, uh, yeah, it's sort of, you know, unfortunate. But, um, yeah, ultimately, like, you know, it's, if we can kind of find a way or find a reason why it's happening, um, you know, hopefully for future fast bowlers out there they don't have to have in their mind that they're going to have to have back surgery or they're going to have to do something while they're young Mm. you know what's what's causing it I guess is the main thing that we need to sort of figure out yeah well I was having a chat with um another coach from England and he was doing an upskill with um 
uh, a couple of you know smart researchers type people and and one of the things that they were talking about was um like when you go through that growth spurt you can usually see is it coming more so from say you know your legs are getting longer or is say your spine getting longer and you can sort of use that kind of um I guess you know where are you growing because the bones, the 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 groans, the bones get longer before they get stronger. Um, so like if you are someone that gets really really tall through your back, then you know potentially probably could be someone that might need more management. But if you just the legs are you know going crazy, but your spine sort of staying relatively stable, you could probably get away with it from there. Mm, and yeah, um, like. I, I've got an extra a lumbar vertebrae, which I found out when I'd had a few issues here and there across my bowling career, my right. tempered bowling career. And I went and saw a chiropractor and I, I'm not the biggest fan of chiropractors, but mainly because it sort of felt like come down and see me three times a week for the rest of your life. And, you know, mm-hmm. I also worked in SNC and I kind of thought, doesn't make sense. Like, you know, I'm what the rest of my life really, but he took scans and, um, and he pointed that out. And I sort of sat back and thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I like the fact that it gives me an extra inch and a half of height. Yeah. But not so much that, like, it just gives me a really accentuated curve so I can do a, a really nice stick my ass out and um, <laughs> accentuate it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not right. sure where you grew from, but, you know, it sounds like you've sort of – it's quite crazy. You've managed to go your whole career so far and not had one thing wrong, which my first thought was done a stress fracture or something like that. And a few people – who'd seen the post I did about your bowling, you know, a few years ago, kind of like, oh, what's wrong? As if somehow I've got the inside scoop. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's kind of a cool thing to sort of, to, to sort of um, dig into because like you said, it is kind of a, a common thing for bowlers, maybe not surgery, but that's just such a shitty kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's right. Like so many fast bowlers out there have had stress fractures or, something you know major to do with their back and I sort of think you know am I doing something wrong why haven't I had something go wrong yet um you know am I not trying hard enough or something but um (laughs) you know look it's happened to me now so um I guess there we go but um yeah look I've like I said I've been pretty fortunate to not have um anything go wrong yet um I don't know what I put that down to but um yeah look it's happened now I guess so you just skip straight to the end. Yeah. <laughs> the worst possible thing you could do to get back surgery. Skip all the little minor muscle things. Have they have they talked to you much about the rehab? I know you mentioned, you know, when you might potentially be looking at coming back, but Yeah, so um my rehab's sort of a, a lengthy process and um yeah, our physios and um S and C's are probably gonna be extra cautious just because it is my lumbar spine. Mm. Um it's something that <clears throat> as a fast bowler, you know, you want to protect and um, hopefully this surgery helps me in the longevity. So we, we're going to take it slow and um, slow and steady, I guess. But uh, yeah, at the moment it's 12 weeks until I can fully come back and start bowling. Um, but yeah, even from there, it's going to be, you know, probably another further couple of months until I'm actually back off my full run. So it's going to be a lengthy process, but, um, you know, I'm already making progressions. I'm out walking um, this week and um, I think I'm getting in some hydrotherapy in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, it's slow, but yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Is it, does it kind of, I know I asked before, but you know, does it get sort of frustrating going for a walk for like 10 or 15 minutes and then sort of being like, God damn it, I want to push harder. I want to go for longer, but yeah, it, it does. I, um, 
I messaged my physio yesterday. I said, um, how long can I go for a walk for today? And she was like, <laughs> oh, 15 minutes. And I was like, okay. Like, so I went for my 15 minute walk and I sort of, I think it was only like a kilometer or something. And then I was just done. And it was a bit, bit weird having to just stop. Cause I actually enjoy walking and I used to go for probably right. like seven kilometer walks or um, something like that. So it's a bit weird only going for 15 minutes, but um Look, I still I'm still at the stage of recovery as well. So, um, you know, walking isn't mm. the easiest at the moment, but um, yeah, look, we'll get there one day. Yeah, I mean that's probably something that um I, I hadn't thought about how challenging it might be to actually go for a walk again, given that you have sort of had back surgery. That's kind of a curious insight too to be like, you know, given you you have just had surgery on your back, like mm. it's not like you can just get out there and go for a wander. But you live close to the beach. Yeah, yeah. So I live in Newport on the northern Even beaches. Harder. So um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a good good spot to go for a walk. But um, it's pretty windy at the moment, so I have I've actually been all right only going for short walks. You've picked a good time, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very good. Because <laughs> there, there, there's not really much cricket or training on at the moment, is there? No, so we um, the New South Wales um, breakers. We go back to preseason next week, so. Um, yeah, I've had two weeks away from two weeks out of preseason um, training. No, it's not too bad. I mean, you were sort of saying like if you can get yourself back for the probably not the start of the, I guess state season, but looking at Big Bash, was it? Yeah, yeah. So we'll. I'd say I'll probably be back for Big Bash, but um, anything probably before that is um, probably a little bit far off. Mm. Well, I know it's sort of early, but like. Has the mindset kind of gone around that big sort of change in, you know, finishing on quite a high for the season and having to go, oh, you're off for surgery? <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little bit tough to take, um, but we were sort of mulling over the surgery for probably a month, whether it was the right thing to do or um, mm. whether, you know, to just try and conserve, try the conservative methods um, for longer and see if I can push through this season. But yeah, we ended up, um, deciding that surgery was the best thing. So, yeah, it's been a change. But, um, yeah, for the moment, I've probably still been in a fair bit of pain for the past uh, week while I've been recovering. So I haven't really thought about it too much. But, um, yeah, it's mm. definitely a big change. And for someone who likes being outdoors and likes being, you know, doing fitness and all that sort of thing, it's been, yeah, a fair big change for me. Mm. Is there anything that you sort of had to do to kind of keep the mindset from, I don't know, dwelling? Because I can imagine the hard part's probably like, because you've got so much more time with yourself, like that time with self is probably a big thing that people probably don't think about too much. Because when you're distracted, you haven't really got time to, I guess, kind of dwell. And for a lot of like fast bowlers that they get, they, they overanalyze. Do you overanalyze? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely an overthinker. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Um, and look, I, cause I, I was exactly the same too. I mean, I used to think about, you know, slamming my brace front leg down when I was bowling and my coach back then hated me because he was like, why can't you just focus on where you want the ball to go? And I was like, yeah. but if I do this right, then that'll make this go right. Then that'll make that go right. And then that'll, you know, make that go right. And I had this whole checklist of things in the way of me actually completing the task. So that was a nice little insight to kind of um, learn from. But I sort of thought, because I do have some other overthinkers, it was like, use it to your advantage and like put your head down the right rabbit holes <laughs> or have like, you might say, uh, checkpoints or something that if you do end up going too far down the wrong way, you can kind of pull yourself back out and go, no, nah, this is silly because 
if you do have too much time for yourself, you can start to think, overthink, like what else are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. I'm exactly the same. And my coach, Ash, will vouch for me. I am so, um, yeah, I'd say I'm a perfectionist, but, um, you know, in that overthinking with every little single minor detail that I could um, in my bowling I definitely um, was the same but yeah I guess like in terms of my injury I haven't really sort of overthought it too much apart from looking at my rehab when I sort of was two days out of hospital and looked at you know the next few months that were ahead of me and I think I got overwhelmed by all of the things that um, are coming my way in the next few months but um, I guess I haven't really had time to overthink it at the moment um, just because yeah I've been in recovery and still been in sort of I guess pain the pain's distracted me a fair bit so um, yeah I haven't really overthought um, too much about you know what the next few months are going to look like but um, yeah look I guess um, I haven't really been challenged this way yet so um, I'm looking Mm. forward to you know challenging myself and yeah hopefully learning a lot about myself. Yeah, I mean, it's a great perspective. That's that's a great little uh little nugget right there that I can clip up and send to the world and be like, look, this is a good attitude to kind of take as you're going through. <laughs> Glass half full attitude. I'm trying to have that. That's anyway. it. Yeah. Oh, look, it, it's not. I mean, look, it, I love saying there is no such thing as perfect, and I have my little um, mini war against the you know the best drills because it usually goes along with the perfectionist mindset or with the kind of mindset where it's like there is a shortcut that I can take to getting the best out of myself. There, you know, there's one drill that rules them all and it's just not the way that it kind of works. It's not the fact that you could try a thousand different drills or et cetera, but it's more like the mindset thinking like there's a magic pill or there's a magic solution that goes out there. It's just good, consistent training over a long period that kind of achieves results. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, ha- have you found it hard trying to like let go of the perfectionist sort of mindset? Uh, yeah, probably just because, um, you know, every training I want to challenge myself, um, to be better. And, um, I guess in that I've always got, got it in the back of my mind, you know, that I want to be the absolute best and, you know, I want to look a certain way when I bowl and do certain movements that, Mm. you know, are best how I imagine them to be. But, um, yeah, ultimately, you know, I have to go off how my body feels and how I feel doing, Mm. you know, each motion. So, yeah, it's hard to let go of, but um, yeah, I guess you just sort of have to find a way to get through that um, and get past that sort of perfectionist way of bowling and mm. just go off, you know, how you feel and how you through go through your action. Yeah, I like that, the feel. How do you go with failure? Or how do you define uh, failure for yourself? Yeah, look, I have probably struggled with that a little bit in the past um, and I've sort of tried to be a bit more resilient in recent years and try and, you know, get through it a bit better. But um, I think this this will challenge me a lot, this injury and being through rehab, it'll challenge my resilience. But, um, yeah, look, I guess, you know, everyone goes through failure and I've sort of tried to learn uh, as I've gotten older that, you know, it's so important to fail because that's how you learn. And um, I think that's something that my parents have instilled in me as well. You know, it's it's the best way that you're going to learn and you learn off your mistakes. So mm. I've tried to, you know, improve on that in recent years. Um, but I think it's, you know, yeah. it's going to take a, take, a, take a while to master. But, um, yeah, something that I'll always look to improve on. Mm. I love how you're showing all these wonderful, like wise life lessons and, you know, you're 19 years old. And I did see, but I was, 
I wanted to double check if you were still technically a teenager, so to speak. Um, but yeah, 20 and like a week or something. Like these are, you know, I mean, I've, I've been chasing that same kind of thing forever. And I think everybody <laughs> sort of is, but I think it's so cool that you're sharing these sorts of life lessons. And there'll be someone who will listen to this would be, I don't know, 25, 30 and be like, oh, I just got this stuff figured out. I wish I had it figured out this early. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, I'm yeah. surrounded by some knowledgeable people, so um, they can probably take the credit. <laughs> but we all learn from somewhere. I mean, one of the things that it's, it's interesting listening to, um, to, to like how you're approaching these kinds of things, because one of the things that I'd sort of go off and tell my guys is like, if you, if you look at outcome through the lens of like right and wrong, you know, it puts pressure on you because you have this pressure to be right. So it creates this like this perceived kind of pressure that everything you do, you go into it. Well, it has to be perfect. It has to be right, which means you've got pressure in that sort of bucket. And then if you're wrong, well, then you've got the fear of failure because like if you're wrong, it means, you know, you haven't done it right. And I'd try to tell them, be like, you want to take those glasses off and then put the glasses on of like action consequence. That was always the, I guess, the, the philosophy that I'd sort of say, because, you know, like you could bowl a half get a wicket. You know, mm, yeah. now action consequence. I don't have to react to that. I might bowl it an amazing bouncer, top edge over their head for six, they win a game. It's like, well, great bouncer. They got lucky. You know, it's mm. funny how these things kind of work. And I found that, you know, that was a philosophy for them that you could catch yourself quite quickly if you're putting pressure on yourself to go, I hope I don't do this wrong. It's like, well, at the end of the day, that's probably not going to support me as well with the mindset that I want to execute or the mindset that I want to have. Um, and yeah, I like those kinds of chats too, because, you know, you can have such a, I, I found, I was having a chat with Ash about this as well, you know, talking about like, you know, relationships and managing players. And I, I really enjoyed putting things into a philosophy. Like I, I love ideas. I love thinking it's, it's just good fun. But I sat there one day thinking I could have the best coaching methods ever, you know, that just hit everything and take care of everything. But like if my coach to athlete relationship, like your learning style and my teaching style don't match up, it ain't going to matter how good my fucking coaching methods are. It's just not going to work. Yeah. yeah I'm sure you've so had true. a few. hundred percent. It's so true. I've um had some relationships that, you know, coaches think they have the best way of um, teaching a certain player, but that player doesn't respond to that. And then, mm. you know, the relationship is just never going to work. So it's, you know, you know, when you've got a good coach, when they know how to build that relationship with their player and they know how to, you know, deal with each player and each player's individuality. Mm. So how, how how long were you with Ash for, before, you know, or when did you start with Ash? Uh, oh, gosh, I haven't thought about how long we've been uh, working together. Probably, I'd say, four years now. Um, it could okay. be wrong, but, uh, yeah, I started with him, um, yeah, quite young, and um, I remember being so shy with him, um, but... Um, you know, he built that relationship and now, you know, we're mm. just mates. So it's, it's really cool to yeah. have that relationship with a coach where, you know, you can also be friends. Mm. I think that's probably a really big part because if you think about it, and I always thought about this when I was working in a gym, um, people know that I sort of know, know what I'm doing, right. Or even yeah. say with fast bowling, but I think they stay with you because you build that kind of relationship. They like 
who you are and the conversations that you have during the session, you know, it almost ends up being like, I mean, I, I remember some of my clients, like it'd be almost half counseling, whether it's, you know, I'm listening to their stories or they're listening to my stories. And so they'd walk out of there. Um, the joke was, you know, they'd always walk out with, you know, a booty because, you know, the glutes, your powerhouse, whether you come in for anything, you're going to walk out there with, you know, more booty, but you'd sort of come for the life lessons or stuff yes. like that. And I just think like, that's, that's that's where the magic is for me because you know i feel like if you can really get to know a player well you can probably have i guess the most intentional and like constructive impact and so when they they're at the top of their mark about to bowl you know they're probably going to be in the best position to sort of do that instead of if like you know you've confused them or like you've given them something that hasn't been quite as constructive for them and now their thought presses a thought processes are kind of you know not in the best place you might say yeah and, and know, i'd say that's, that's where like coming to coming to understanding the person that you're working with and how they best respond to your coaching techniques i guess that's where it comes into it um you know if my coach knows that i'm a visual learner and they can describe mm. something to me visually then that's sort of implanted in my mind and that's how i'm going to remember it and then when i get out in the field and I'm by myself, you know, I still have that visual memory of that cue mm. or that um, particular action or whatever it may be. Um, you know, uh, he's remembered that that is how I respond and then I'm able to execute it, I guess. What were some of the ways that you learned best? Uh, yeah, I guess, like I said, visual. Um, I'm a visual mm. learner. So I like seeing things. I like video analysis and I like sort of being able to, um, see something that I'm doing and then being able to replicate that myself is probably best how I'm responsive to learning. Did you, I remember Ash, I'm not sure if it was with you, but there was, did, did you do drills with a mirror? Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely done you that. Did. Before. Was, <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I, I just think that's, that's kind of genius. You know, you can sort of have someone there with the, I guess the mirror to give you instant feedback. And uh, when I just kind of laugh, thinking if you put a mirror in front of me, I'd sit there half the time just playing with yes. my hair. <laughs> I already do that. My friends yeah. always make jokes when there's mirrors in their houses. If I walk past it, I'll look at it. I, I can't help it. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, you kind I'll, of have to ignore I'll... that part of it when you're, when you're trying yeah. to watch yeah. how you're bowling. All right. Well, I'm, I'm curious to sort of hear a bit more about, you know, what sorts of tech Te technical things you've done sort of across the years. I mean, you might not be able to remember everything, but given you are a perfectionist, maybe you can sort of remember some things, but what sorts of things in your technique, like, you know, were successes or challenges or, you know, along the way, you know, curious if you can open up some conversation on, you know, you being a 15 year old starting with Ash and now a 19 year old who's played for Australia, like, you know, he should be one of the ones doing the podcast, how to build an Australian <laughs> fast bowler. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, look, we've worked on a lot um, over the years, you know, um, but one consistent thing is he's kept it really simple for me and really clear in what he wants to get out of me. So I think, I think it was last year or the year before in COVID when we had that lockdown, we spent so many hours on particularly getting off my back leg um, and getting that transfer of weight. Um, and that was the main thing that we worked on and we worked on it for so long. Um, mm. And um it's something that stayed consistent that we've always tried to work on. And he's given so many drills and so many different ways and how we can improve that. Um, 
so yeah, I'd say getting off the back leg um, and that transfer of weight between between each foot is probably the main thing that's been consistent. But there's always something. It always likes to throw a challenge at me each session for something that I can work on. So whether it's a front arm or whether it's you know getting my bowling arm in closer, there's always something mm. that um, I'm trying to work on. I guess each session, and I I really like having technical goals as well. I think a lot of coaches say you know you should just focus on the execution mm. side of things and you know just execute a yorker or a bouncer or whatever that side of may be. But I personally really like having technical goals as well. Um, even yeah. during the middle of the season, even if it's, you know, something tiny, um, I always have liked having a technical goal just because, yeah, I guess I am a perfectionist and I like having little technical things that I can always work on because, mm. you know, I always want to improve my action. So that sort of yeah. Yeah, works for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but um, I always like to have something on the side technical that I can work on. I like that. And I think that sort of ties into nicely about like, what is it about fast bowling that you kind of really enjoy? Because it's, I think if you look at it, even from say, just going to the gym or any kind of task or thing in life that is, is part of your passion, you know, why are you so passionate about it? And you kind of need to lean into that side of things. Cause I'm the same, I'm 31, you know, turning 32 now, I'm still working my technique, you know, to hopefully try to get, you know, the best out of myself. Cause I'm pretty confident my best years would be in my thirties, mainly because my, <laughs> My 20s, I was um, injured and I was a 20-year-old male who matured at 30. So, you know, now I've actually got the mind of, a, I think, <laughs> someone who could get the best out of himself. But, you know, I think that's kind of a, you know, a good thing to kind of think about and discuss as well. Yeah, I think I'll be the same. I always want to be working on technique and, um, you know, my I feel like I have to get in my mind that my action's never going to be perfect. So... Um, if yeah. I can just keep working towards getting it better, then, you know, I feel like I'll, I enjoy that. And that's, you know, always something that I want to be part of my training. It is a pretty good action though. Like, yeah, seriously. I, I, <laughs> oh, look, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at at the moment or where I was at um, a few months ago. Um, but yeah, yep. look, like I said, there's always going to be little things that um, I'm going to yeah. notice and, you know, I'm probably going to be the first to critique my actions. So um, mm. there's always going to be little things that I'll want to improve. Yeah, I've just, I, I, I can imagine somewhere, you know, someone somewhere in the world, you know, maybe listening to this and, you know, not exactly knowing your actual technique and then finding something and being like, what she can do all this and I can't, like, this is a brilliant action. But I think that's a real credit to the work that you've put in. And, um, and the stuff that, you know, Ash has sort of taken you through because he does send me a few things here and there from time to time, some of, the, some of his other bowlers as well. I think it's just epic, the kind of guys that he's, um, or the work that he's sort of been able, to, been able to produce. But I suppose I did see a post on their page that he'd been there since 2006 or something like that. So Yeah, he's um, been there a while now, showing his age. He's an old man um, now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, he's, he's awesome um, and he's worked with some pretty cool people. So... Uh, I'm very fortunate to have met him and to, yeah, have been able to work with him. Um, yeah, very lucky. Well, one of the things he, um, he told me to, you know, bring up was um, how do you go about handling the frustrations that come along and, you know, your patience is something that he said is definitely something we have to discuss. <laughs> I'm sure he wanted to bring that up. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I do um, get frustrated often in our sessions um, and he picks on me for it, but um, mm. I try to work on it each time, but 
yeah, he's, he makes fun of me saying I'm always grumpy, but um, yeah, look, it's, it's something that I'll probably, yeah, I'll look to work on um, each session, but yeah, it's definitely something that I probably do need to get better at it, but um, yeah, I'm sure. You all have he, that thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh, well. Yeah. Is it just for technique though, that you get frustrated? Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the thing that that frustrates me. I guess, um, you know, if I I could bowl an excellent ball at the moment, and if it's not feeling right, or if um, something feels wrong, or it doesn't look how I want it to, um, that will mm. often frustrate me. But um, yeah, look, yeah. I'd like to think that I I can move past that now, and I can, you know, see that you know if I bowl a good ball but it doesn't feel a hundred percent right, then you mm. know it's that's the way it is. Yeah, and I you know it's funny like this this process like I remember kind of mapping it out into a nice little diagram about like your mental delivery like routine per ball because you've kind of got you know your your intentional focus going in, then you've got the thing that you do like. The, the movement, the action, um, and then the outcome, and then like you've got your awareness of what happens afterwards. So like you can't be, you can't, your focus can't be everything, but you can be somewhat aware of what happens after. And it's like how you do respond to, um, you know, the outcome is probably quite important. Whether it's, you know, I mean, you might get ridiculously annoyed, and there are some bowlers that do that, but then that's okay if you can then sort of like, you know, for the next ball, mm. brush it off, take out what you need. And then almost like take that fire and put it into the next ball. Like I love this idea of being intentional with your emotions. You know, if you are a hothead, you know, you get to decide when you're a hothead, you know, and how much this is you. Yeah, it's definitely, I feel like at the moment it's easier said than done, you know, just brush off the last (laughs) ball and get to the new one. Like, come on, it can't be that hard. Um, But yeah, it's probably something that that I'll continue to work on. yeah, I'd, I'd like to think I, I only really get frustrated at my sessions with um, Ash. I don't really bring it out onto field too much. Um, it's just yeah, probably because, I was going to ask that. Yeah, well, it's probably... It's just Ash, just, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, Throw him under the bus. Him, but... It's all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but look, I like to think that I, I can manage my emotions pretty well on the mm. field. So um, I don't know why it's always at our sessions that I seem to bring out my perfectionist and my grumpy self. Um Maybe it maybe it's him being a little bit like that as well um, that brings it out of me. Mm. But um, yeah, look, it's definitely a, a, a skill that um, you know we as fast bowlers probably need to not perfect, yeah. but be pretty good at, I guess. Yeah, no, that's good. It's very very mature response as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you sort of let 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 into something else, which I think is really important, and. Um, you know, how do you define for yourself what your best bowling experience is and what your worst bowling experience is? Yeah. Um, oh, I guess when I'm bowling my best, I'm comfortable and I'm relaxed and um, I'm a little bit probably confident as well in what I'm doing. And I'm feeling like, you like know, I'm, I'm on top of the world and my tail's up and I can run in and I feel mm. like I can execute any ball that I want to bowl. And um, I guess that's why we bowl as well as fast bowlers for that feeling. Um, and I guess mm. that's what keeps us coming back, you know, through hard times. If, you know, we are at those low times when you feel like you could let this ball go and it would just be nowhere near where you want it or, 
you know, you just don't feel right in your action. Um, I feel like mm. those times when you feel great and you feel like you got the wind behind you and you can just run in and, you know, you feel great and you can execute anything you want. I feel like that's what keeps us coming back and gets us through those mm. times when you feel like you can't even, you know, land the ball on the pitch. Mm. And the worst times? Yeah, well, those that, that would be, you know, when, when you feel like you, you don't have the ball doesn't feel right in your hand and it doesn't feel good through your run up. And I've definitely been through a fair few of those moments. Um, definitely had my fair share where I feel like mm. I can't even land at the crease and I have no confidence in, you know, what I'm about to do. Um, so yeah, those are, those are, you know, hard times, but um, I guess something that, that we look to get through with, you know, knowing that you can do it and backing yourself with, you know, the work that you've done and yeah. uh, your training to get through those times. Yeah. And I remember saying that I, I love this, you know, perspective of defining your best and defining your worst and then always kind of work on that where it's sort of like you do keep a journal um, and you do keep some notes after like every session. I think it's good to kind of reflect and you're always refining what your best experience is because when things aren't going um, right, the better you can sort of define what's wrong and the better you understand what's right or what's best, you can sort of figure out what's missing and it gives you a nice clear path to kind of get back to where you want to be. Whereas as an overthinker, and I'm sure this will resonate very, very well with you, when things aren't working, what do we do? We go and explore. We explore whether what's not working and we find something. Usually it's like a body part. And so we think about that body part. And so we try to, you know, I guess get that right. But then that might lead to something else happening. So then we think about that part and then at least something else happened, at least another part, like knocking over dominoes, just this big cold chain reaction. And um, and I've often found that like as an overthinker and as someone that likes to be quite technical, you can always find something. I love this philosophy, like you'll find what you go searching for and you can apply that to anything in life, whether it's manifesting or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so having a, a different perspective to kind of look at it and go, well, what are you missing from your best? It's like, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm annoyed. My, my mindset's not there. Well, when you're relaxed, you can sort of come back and find it. And um, I never had trouble with the relaxation. I more had trouble with trying to get the fire because I probably told myself that like, I'm going to control my emotions. Nobody else. And I'd just be a mellow kind of fast bowler. And then sometimes I'd be like, Stubsy, what are you doing? <laughs> like, can you fire up, please? <laughs> oh, it's really quite funny. Like, to be fair, they'll, they'll There'll be no dramas with being a you know an angry fast bowler. There will be dramas if you're a a mellow, calm, zened out fast bowler that looks like he's just cruising through. Ugh. Yeah, no, I definitely I, I definitely relate to like the different um, emotions and recognizing when you're in a good time or a bad time. Um, and I feel like you know you mm. can only improve on it if you, you're able to acknowledge you know when something's wrong. Um, what sort of mm -hmm. can you fix, I guess, to make it sort of get back to how you can, how you were when you were at your best. And um, yeah, I think that's probably something that I didn't do as much when I was younger. Um, and I didn't sort of recognize those key moments. But I guess in recent years, I've been able to, you know, acknowledge what sort of is mm -hmm. going well when I'm bowling well and what's sort of not going well. Um, and I feel like, yeah, that's only benefited me in recent years. And um, allowed mm. me to sort of develop my own sort of way of bowling. Yeah. And I love the term acknowledge too. Like, you know, I mean, we, I talked about failures before and it's, 
you kind of find like, I love failure, you know, but I've, I've really tried to create this, you know, fun, playful um, perspective around failure. Cause like, I'd say to, you know, my bowlers, like, I really don't care if you take five, but, you know, I mean, I saw at the start of the year, you, you took seven for, you know, I'd be like, you know, good stuff still. There's not really much more I could say, right? I'm not going to change anything. It's working. But when they go out and they get smacked, like they might be playing, you know, district grade or, you know, county twos or something like that. And they come back, mate, I had a terrible weekend. I was like, fantastic, brilliant. <laughs> what did you learn? And, you know, I, I like the idea of, you know, making a joke out of it, laughing, because it takes the, hopefully it takes the pressure off. But it's sort of exciting because, you know, at some point, hopefully you've sort of faced that many failures and you've acknowledged them. You haven't tried to change them and going, oh, I didn't bowl. You know, it wasn't my fault today. You see some people like to blame or they find they, they talk themselves out of it being their failure. That's a different topic. But, you know, when you can sort of take take the learning and you put it into your training life, it really does progress you forwards, you know, a lot further than, you know, yeah, no, 100%. And I think also, you know, that's such a good way to coach with young kids. I think, you know, kids may be afraid of, you know, failing or, you know, making a mistake. And I know I certainly was, you know, I was, I did not want to make mm. one mistake um, at all when I was younger. Um, I was so afraid of it. And I think, you know, that approach of, you know, accepting it and saying, you know, it's actually okay. And it's actually really mm. good to make mistakes because that's how you're going to get better. You know, if you, if you don't make any mistakes, then you're just going to stay the same. How are you going to improve? And I think, you know, that's a really great perspective to go about it, you know, for, for kids and anyone, I guess, really who wants to improve. Um, yeah. It's the best way to go about it and accepting that, you know, you're going to be better off for this mistake and, you know, you know, you can accept, you know, failing and accept that um, mm. if you want to improve. Yeah. So now what, what sort of learning environments have you sort of had going from, say, you know, playing club or then into, say, state or even like rep state into the Australian team? Because, you know, learning in that and the communication within those environments and say some of these things that we've sort of talked about with, you know, failure or, or coaching, you know, queuing, et cetera. Yeah, well, I guess there's so many differences in those environments, you know, from club where it may be a little bit more relaxed and, you know, people are playing cricket, you know, maybe for the social aspect or, you know, for the enjoyment, rather you get into state and it's a little bit more serious and, um, you know, you're a bit more in tune with every single skill and every aspect of each skill. Um, and then, you know, to the top mm. where it's the Australian level, where it's just ultimate professional it's really interesting to experience all those different environments and um, yeah I guess I've been pretty fortunate um, at a young age to be um, open to those uh, experiences but yeah ultimately like it's just the way that different groups go about their cricket and um, go about you know playing against different teams and um, assessing what what happens in each environment I guess at our state level it's pretty um, professional and we're really, you know, precise with our training. And um, I guess at this at an, an international level, sorry, it's another step up. And um, I guess I've been fortunate to be around some pretty professional athletes as well. So I can, mm. you know, learn from them and learn from their experiences. But uh, I think, you know, the main thing is the more cricket you play and the more training that you do, you going to improve and you're going to be open to learning more because you know you're playing cricket and you're learning about each time you step on the field you know what you do and how you adapt to different situations mm. so 
yeah, ultimately it's just the experience and, um, yeah, it's those hours that you accumulate over um, a course of time that's going to help you experience um, and learn. Mm. What have you picked up from some of the other professional, you know, Aussie players since you've now had a chance to be a part of the squad and, you know, get in touch with them? Yeah, look, um, I guess, you know, you learn from the way that they go about their training and, you know, you learn um, about how much they value their cricket and how much they um, spend time on, you know, certain little things at training, the extras, mm. the extra hours that they put in. Um, yeah, it's just like another step up and um, it's cool to experience that. And um, yeah, you just kind of learn about how they, how they play their cricket and what's going on in their mind um, at certain moments. You know, you, you have a discussion about what's happening, you know, on the final ball when you have to score one run to win, mm. you know, what's going through their mind, how they're assessing that situation. And um, yeah, it's just sort of, you know, cool to hear it from the best of the best, really. Mm. So one of the things I was curious to ask as well is like, now that you're a professional player, like it sort of changes your relationship a bit with cricket and that like you are being paid to play, which then comes with a whole new list of like um, responsibilities, you could say, like, how has that kind of changed your approach to it or like, Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think Mm. it's actually really changed too much for me. Um, You know, I was probably thrust into professional cricket quite young I think you know my first contract was when I was 16 so um, I was just a little kid back then and um, I didn't really understand you know oh I'm getting paid to do this like that's just an extra bonus Um, and I'm sure every other cricketer has the same um, belief and I still do you know I still feel like I'm just a kid and I'm just going to cricket training Um, you know yeah I'm getting paid to do it but you know, I love that. It's not my job, you know. I just, I just play cricket. Mm. Um, you know, I'm just fortunate enough to get paid as well. So it's, yeah, it's mm. kind of, you know, I obviously recognise that I'm so fortunate and so lucky to be in my position. Mm. You know, not many other 19 year olds get to say that they get to get paid for their hobby. So um, it's, um, yeah, I'm definitely very lucky. But um, look, it's obviously it is my job. So um, you know, probably 100% of my effort and energy goes into it. Um, and goes into being the best that I can and representing the different teams in the States and whatever else that it, it, may, it may be that I represent um, 100% of my effort and energy is going into that. And um, yeah, look, I guess, I'm, like I said, I'm very lucky to be in my position, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, no, no effort is spared. So yeah, my perspective on the game hasn't changed at all. It's still, you know, what I love to do and I have such a passion mm-hmm. for the game. So um, yeah, I guess I'm just lucky and fortunate to be in my position. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm always curious to hear someone talk about that side of things. And I'm curious to, you know, say the next five or 10 years, wherever you sort of end up, see how all these things have sort of changed across your um, across your journey, even just to to hear what it's like when you sort of do get through the um, the rehab phase. Like, you know, it's great to hear how it was at the start. But um, I think also given that, oh, I don't want to, say it like you are kind of looking at a lengthy kind of thing i don't want to make it seem harder than it is but given that there'll be plenty of people out there that will probably suffer something which is going to make them it'll, it'll just be a longer process than, than they would like you know to hear someone talk through that i think it's just always good yeah definitely and i think that's definitely something i've looked for in you know the early stages of my recovery is you know other people have been through injuries and other people mm. have had the same surgery that i've had and they've come back from it so 
um, that's sort of been really reassuring for myself. But um, yeah, look, if there is anyone out there that's going through injury or recovering from a surgery, um, you know, it's 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 going to be a long process. But I think, you know, they've got some assurance that there's other people out there who've done the same, um, then I guess mm. that's really good for them. Yeah. Words of wisdom from Stell. <laughs> you can make this a, uh, a new Instagram category for you. Actually, here's, here's a good question. Uh, how have you found it now that you are recovering from um, from the back injury and you probably can't move around as much <laughs> and so you probably can't do as many TikToks as usual? <laughs> oh, yeah, the TikToks, yes. Um, well, I don't think I – I have definitely have not tried. Um, I assume my dance moves would be pretty bad at the moment considering I can't quite move too much. Uh, well, what's so... bad though? <laughs> Yeah, so I probably won't be attempting any TikToks anytime soon. But um, no, that was a, it. Was a good hobby to have um, during the Big Bash with Han and Mato. Yep. Um, it was something just fun and silly that we could just do. So um, yeah, I look, that. I don't. I'm not going to say I miss doing them, but um, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, it did look like you're having a bit of fun. And look, it it, it did look really really silly, but I love that because like I don't think I could do that. I think I'd just be too like. Yeah, like I'd be too chicken to uh to to put myself out there. I definitely don't think I can do it. Like when I go out with um with my girlfriend, you know, and she's a bit younger, she's only twenty three or something like that. Um, so still studying, you know, we'd go out all night, and and like it gets to a point where like I've just had enough dance. I've got no more moves left, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, it's quite funny. Yeah, I think that's something over. that Mado has instilled in. Um, Hannah particularly because um, I'm probably a bit more similar to Mado but Hannah probably is more sit on the sidelines you know I don't want to get up and dance and whatever so I think that's something that Maitland has instilled in us you know just the confidence right. is go out and have fun and do whatever and who cares so and um, I think that's like a really cool attitude to have um, you know yeah. off the cricket field but also I guess on the cricket field you know you that confidence yep. and that sort of thing so it's yeah it's it's a fun hobby I guess. I love how you've just managed to package all these, you know, fun, silly TikToks into like a really wise and wonderful <laughs> message. <laughs> Go and do this. You'll get more confident. It'll make you a better cricketer. We've just yeah. found the best drills. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I guess you could look at it that way. <sighs> all right. Well, look, I'd love to sort of hear what it was like uh, when you did finally kind of make the Aussie squad and then like what sorts of things you kind of went through. In, uh, I mean, for me personally, like, one your your reactions obviously i did i did watch the video when um elise and the bowling coach were saying some things and i could see you kind of wiping away some tears like obviously it was quite quite an epic moment in your life yeah well i think um when i first got the call that i was in the squad um i didn't even know that the india series was happening so um that in itself was already a big shock and um yeah i think i was with one of my best friends at the time and i told her and um we were just so so excited and um yeah it was sort of just an incredible like thrill and i just sort of thought wow like i'm gonna be with the australian team and that was just the best thing ever and then yeah obviously the the cap presentation from Pez was yeah pretty special and she said some Mm. amazing words and and Ben Sawyer the bowling coach as well he said some really nice things so uh it was definitely you know a very special moment um and um yeah very surreal to be there and 
um, I think, yeah, the emotions sort of overcome me. I'm not sort of generally too much of an emotional person, but um, yep. in a moment like that, when you're receiving an Australian cap, it's it's pretty special. And um, yeah, I guess it just overcame me, but um, definitely, you know, a very special moment. So what have you been like with the nerves of say, you know, you're now playing for Australia. Is there anything that kind of like starts to creep into your mind from that sense? Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I definitely remember being very nervous before that game. Um, and, you know, generally, just generally, in, in um, you know, nerves sort of have gotten the better of me sometimes. And um, I do sort of let them creep in and, you know, then the doubt comes in. But um, mm. yeah, I guess in recent years, I've tried to sort of push away from that and use that, I guess, as, you know, fuel, like we spoke about earlier, you know, nerves are a good thing and you know it means you care and that sort of stuff that we've all heard before but um yeah look I guess you know you can let nerves you can look at them two ways I guess and um you know I spoke to the psych about it and sort of said you know my nerves you know they're getting the better of me and they're you know they're ruining you know how I'm bowling and, and they're they're taking advantage of me so He's sort of like, you know, you can look at it a way of like, you know, nerves are bad and you can let them overrule you or, mm. you know, you can use it as energy and say, you know, nerves don't have to be a bad thing. It's just energy build up, you know, it's just adrenaline and excitement and, you know, you can look at it that way. It doesn't have mm. to be a bad thing. So I guess I tried to implore that sort of skill more so um, in recent years and say, you know, it's just energy. It's, it doesn't have to be bad or good. Um, it's mm. just energy that you can use in your bowling to, you know, fire up, I guess, and get in the contest more. So that's kind of how I tried to use it um, more recently anyway. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Nerves, fuel. Mm. I remember I, um, I saw something, but it was someone had interviewed um, all the gold medal winners from you know, Olympic Games or, or something like that. And I think a question they asked them was like, you know, were you nervous, nervous before the race? And none of them said, that they all said no I was excited because mm. it's kind of like a, a mental definition right I'm nervous I'm excited but like the physiological responses in your body are essentially the same so they managed to kind of like package what they're experiencing in their body into this excitement and I think that's just quite a wonderful way to go about it and you know I like the nerves fuel that's just mm. a wonderful kind of thing to look through a hundred percent it's that sort of it sort of clicked in my brain you know it oh yeah like it doesn't have to be you know good or bad it's just energy build up and um yeah if you can look at it as more sort of like excitement um that's probably you know mm. what helped me I guess get through you know if I'm nervous and I'm feeling you know not confident you know I can just look at it as like oh just like I'm excited and I'm ready to get in the contest I guess mm. so what was it like bowling the first ball uh, I think it was more of a relief. I think once I got the first ball out all of the right. way, I was like, all right, no, come on. I know what I'm doing here. I've trained for this. Um, yeah, yeah, I think once the, once the first ball's out of the way, you know, you, you can sort of relax a bit more. But, um, but yeah, I was definitely – I took a big breath, I think, before that first ball. And, um, yeah, then I sort of just ran in and, you know, tried to land it on the pitch. <laughs> mm. oh, that's great. And the first wicket? Yeah, that was pretty cool as well. Um you probably know the tradition of all the girls running in and messing up your hair. So um, I sort of, you know, <laughs> seen that always happen on TV and see everyone, 
you know, get around you for your first wicket. Um, so that was pretty cool as well. Mm. And um, I think it was probably one of the best catches I've ever seen from Molly Strano. So um, yeah, that was probably helped as well um, that she hung on to it. But yeah, no, it was pretty cool. And the test match too. Which came first, the test or the ODI? The ODIs. Yeah, that was um, another yeah really cool moment and um yeah i mitchell stark actually presented my um baggy green so that was in itself Amazing. another really special moment and um yeah mitch is just awesome and you know he was around yeah. for that week leading into the test and um and we know how good he is with the pink ball so mm. um it was awesome to have him <laughs> around um so yeah i guess the test match was pretty surreal and i sort of don't really remember too much of it i know we had a lot of rain but um yeah, look, it was another cool moment and, you know, obviously a dream of mine to be a part of a test match. And, um, yeah, look, to have two test summers, two test matches, sorry, this summer for the girls in itself is pretty historic. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, to be involved in that one was super special. And, um, yeah, definitely, you know, I've had a taste of test cricket now. And, um, yeah, I just absolutely want to get back into that arena. Um, it's, yeah, super special and so unlike anything that I'd experienced before. So, um, yeah, very, very cool. Is it so different bowling with say a, a red or a pink ball because in the women's game at least do you have a whole lot of multi-day format cricket or is it mainly just t20 odi uh yeah at the moment it's just pretty much um yeah t20 odi for us uh, we sort of don't really get anything longer than that so that was my mm-hmm. first sort of experience playing um anything longer than a one day up so it was wasn't essentially you know it's still cricket still a game of cricket trying to take 20 wickets so yeah. it's you know, essentially the same, um, just a few different different strategies. But, um, yeah, look, I didn't really find too many differences between the different ball. You know, sent, people talk about the swing and all that sort of thing. But um, ultimately, I'm still trying to run in and do the same thing that I do um, in a T20 or in, a, in an ODI. Yeah. So, yeah, d- the fundamentals stay the same. But, um, yeah, obviously the strategy changes a little bit. What sorts of pearls of wisdom did you sort of get from the, you know, being in that kind of group? Like, I'm curious what sorts of things being, were you the youngest of the team? Um, I, I believe I was. Yeah. I think at the time, I don't think there was anyone younger than me. Have you ever been called Bambi? I have been called Bambi. Yes. Um, I thought with the long levers, you know, that would have been something that might have popped up. <laughs> yeah, it has. Um, I can't remember who called me that, but I, I definitely have been called Bambi before. Another one is Melman from Madagascar. That's been thrown around a few times. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm curious what sorts of pearls of wisdom, you know, the girls would have given you, or even the coaches, like being in, being in those changing rooms, you know, what sorts of things might come up? Um. Uh, look, I don't know if there's too many, you know, specific things that they've sort of thrown at me, but, um, you know, I guess you sort of just remember sort of key moments and key strategies that you employ for a certain player or, you know, if I think I had an eight over spell in the test match and sort of there was a key sort of thing that I was trying to do. I was trying to, I was trying to run in and, you know, hit the top of the stumps and then, you know, throw in a bounce off. So there's, you know, little strategies that you pick up from um, just that sort of thing. But, you know, I guess, you know, stuff gets thrown at you all the time, but um, you just sort of pick up what you can from what different players do in different situations or, you know, how you can improve on how you executed something mm. um, like that. But yeah, I guess, you know, you're surrounded by the best of the best. So you're just trying to soak up as much as you can.
Yeah. Does it ever get complicated with the strategy? Um, oh, look, not most, not really. Most of the time it's fairly simple. Um, and you know, you, you fast bowler's job is generally pretty straightforward. Um, mm. so, um, we've sort of, yeah, kept that sort of in mind and, you know, it never sort of overcomplicated it too much for me. No, that's nice. All right. Well, look, we have gone for now, but I was keen to just finish with like something cheesy or some, you know, a real stereotypical type interview type question about, you know, what your sorts of ambitions are as a, you know, turning 20. I did say it was your birthday, like the 15th, I think it was because yeah, I'm not stalking you by the way, but it just, you know. Oh, it's 1st of June. So yeah, 15 <laughs> days away. Yeah. Yeah. When I was double checking to make sure, but yeah. Um, I was keen to sort of ask, being a 19-year-old fast bowler, um, your ambitions, you know, if I let you just try to make it as cheesy as possible, what you'd like to sort of, or what you're sort of looking forward to with your cricketing career. Yeah, um, well, I guess in the short term, you know, I want to obviously get through this rehab and um, come out the other side of it, hopefully be a better, faster, stronger, you know, everything that I want to improve on. Um, but, yeah, I guess in the long term, you know, like I said, I had a taste of international cricket. So um, I guess ultimately, you know, I want to get back to that level and I want to be at that level permanently, um, you know, representing my country. That is ultimately the best thing that I could achieve. But, um, yeah, look, I just want to be the best that I can be. I want to, you know, work hard to improve um, and, you know, I guess ultimately come out of it being not only, you know, a good cricketer, but hopefully a good person and someone that people can respect and, you know, understand, you know, that I'm, you know, not just a cricketer, but I'm also a person. So hopefully if I can be respected on and off the field um, and do what I do best, then, you know, I'm going to be pretty happy and hopefully successful. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, just having this chat, like, have you guys had much like interview type training or like been I guess coached up with when you're having interviews uh we we haven't really done too much media training it's sort of more hands-on you know our media manager will try to like throw us in um to get more experience where we can you know gotcha. if he thinks you know we can do this interview or this is something that we can use as practice then that's sort of how we guess I guess improve it yeah, because you do talk very well, and it's quite funny. Like I reckon this chat's probably been, um, you know, the most you might say well spoken, as opposed to like I'm just off chatting like it's just a couple of mates. So <laughs> you've sort of you've brought up my my like podcasting <laughs> interview type skills. Oh god, I don't know I first... if I'd say that, but I'm sure if you look back on an interview when I was 16, it would have been you know much different. I think I've you know hopefully <laughs> learned how to talk a bit better uh, over the years. It's a real skill, isn't it? Like I I never liked public speaking, and I probably wouldn't say I still do but I do like talking about things that I'm interested in, mm. which is probably the real trick, right? Yeah, so, I'm the same. Yeah, fine. I think it is true. Like as soon as you can talk about something that you're passionate about, you know, you could probably talk for days. But, um, yeah, public speaking is one that I feel like only a certain type of people enjoy. I don't think generally most people really would say they – Yeah, most people would say they don't enjoy public speaking. But that could just be yeah. me stereotyping. <laughs> Potentially. You no, know, there is definitely a habit of that. All right. Well, look, before you do jump off, um, I mean, I will finish the chat here. I'll say, you know, cheers. Thanks for coming out. You know, one thing I have, because the, the, these to me, like, I just want to have a chat. I don't have an intro thing that I do at the start. And there's no, like, 
it's 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 as far from an interview as possible. It is. I really do just want to make it just a chat. But when like a friend of mine was listening to it, and um, because it it just cuts straight to this start of the conversation, and I don't know when um, the guy who edits these is going to start it from. Probably something logical, but I'm pretty sure the first or second one. I you know we we were both laughing over a, a joke. And my mate thought like he'd missed the first start of the conversation. So he, he twice he went there and like, I had to double check he hadn't done anything. But but even say at the end, like, oh, I just can't be stuck. But with the with this software as well, that little mushroom um, cloud thing at the top has to get to 100%. Right. Otherwise, it doesn't upload the whole sort of thing. Uh, so I'll say, appreciate you jumping on for a chat, Stella. And would love to have another chat in about eight months when you probably are back into it and curious to hear how that sort of process has gone. You can now say, thanks, Dubsy. You're an absolute genius and etc. <laughs> thanks, Dubsy. Thanks for having me. It was great to chat. All right.